0: Well, as we think about this, concept of encountering Jesus, one of the things we realize is the way that we encounter anything in the world is through our experience. God gave us five senses to be able to encounter the world around us. And and so you think about it, that's part of the joy of baking. It's tactile. You can smell it. You get to eat something afterward. Even taking a walk in the park or going into the woods, um, you get to sense it and feel it all around you. And so one of the challenges for us in the the current season that we're in is that we've been limited in some ways. And so our encounter of the world around us, even church online reduces those senses in a, in one sense because you can't see who else is with you. You don't get to see each other. You don't get to shake each other's hand, give each other a hug. And so with those reduced experiences that way, we can still encounter Christ fully. I think that's one of the most amazing things about Jesus um, in the incarnation and becoming human and becoming flesh is the fact that God who was previously unseen, or maybe you would see the acts of God in nature and creation around um, people, uh, now got to see Jesus and Jesus being God fully. And so there's this kind of rift in time that that happens in the encounter of Jesus, where the God who previously was unseen is now made seen and visible in front of people. And so it causes people to have such a, a confused way of responding to Jesus. Some people are drawn in and drawn closer to Jesus. Others recoil in their own uh, religious sense and piety and what their understanding of God is or what it was. And so they come to this place of maybe being confused and then some, you know, drawn in and wanting to get closer. And so what we're doing in this series is we're wanting to have a fresh encounter with God through the person of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we can do that is through scripture. And so even today, what we want to do is look at one story in the gospels. There's so many where we can encounter Jesus in the work of Jesus, but take one conversation conversation of Jesus with a religious leader, Nicodemus. This is in John chapter 3, and so you can start opening your Bible and turning to John chapter 3. But as we look at this encounter that Jesus has with one person, there's so much that we can draw out of it that's not just relevant for a person following Jesus, but even today in the current situation and the current season that we're in. And so as we look at this together, may your heart be open to what God is speaking as we encounter Jesus together. But let's look at this now, and we're going to read from John chapter 3, starting. Starting in verse number one. Let's look at this together.
1: It says, There is a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. "'What do you mean?' exclaimed Nicodemus. "'How can an old man go back into his mother's womb "'and be born again?' "'Jesus replies, I assure you, "'no one can enter the kingdom of God "'without being born of water and the Spirit. "'Humans can only reproduce human life, "'but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. "'So don't be surprised when I say, "'You must be born again.'" The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we will tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the son of man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life." For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants.
0: And so the first thing that we want to draw out of this uh, encounter with Nicodemus is um, just... By the sheer fact that as he's coming to Jesus, Nicodemus, as he's coming to Jesus, he's approaching him with the the fullness of his religious training, with um, being raised probably from birth to be prepared to become a Pharisee, one who would teach others in the law, and and yet as he approaches Jesus, he approaches him from a place of respect, and we realize, and we see in the very first few verses that number one, and this is our first point, is that through Jesus— it's, it's making, Jesus is making his father known. Look at this again. And this is the revelation of God that comes through Jesus Christ. When, when Nicodemus comes to him, it says that um, Nicodemus comes under the cover of darkness and he came to speak with Jesus. But the first thing he does is he refers to him by a title of rabbi, which is a, a title of respect. He's already giving him some respect there. And then his next words are, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, this is so amazing because if you think about it, a lot of times the picture that we get of the the Pharisees are that they are so against Jesus that they're denying the fact that he has anything to do with God. And we do see that in other places in the Gospels where they're, they're confronting and they're confused, but yet... Nicodemus and the, and the group of other religious teachers that he's uh, a part of are somehow having conversations among themselves and saying, there's something of God that's being taught here. We can tell that God has sent you in some way. And even the approach of calling him rabbi says that there's value and worth in what is being taught and what's being displayed. And so what we see is there's this confusion, though, of like, but who are you truly? And Jesus even responds, because, again, Jesus could always see beyond um the the external uh, representation and see the motive and see the heart. And he responds to Nicodemus and says, I tell you the truth, unless you were born again, this idea of being born uh, from above or being born of the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so I'm sure it set Nicodemus back. He was like, wait a minute, what what does this mean? But yet we see that there's been this picture of a God who is a God of, of justice, but a God of mercy. And yet in Jesus he 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 almost confuses their understanding of Yahweh, this God that they've worshipped, the God that they've understood, and so he looks at it and goes, "There's something of God in this, and I can see it being displayed in um, in you, Jesus, and being portrayed that you are making God known to us in a in a different way."
1: I think it's interesting that Nicodemus admits, "Look, we all know that there is something radically different about you." Well, we can't understand it. We don't even know if we believe it. We're not sure how to wrap our mind around it. And so as one of the things that I think it's interesting to note is that as Jesus is coming and he's making his father, Known. There is still a mystery and there's still a tension in that where he's not fully revealing the Father, but he is revealing this sense of love and again, the sense of mercy. And where, you know, he goes on to share that God, uh, this is how God loved the world, that he didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so, in Jesus making his Father known, he's making the love of his Father known, but there's still a mystery and there's still an unknown in the midst of this.
0: I think that's one of the things that's really important about us seeing Nicodemus approach to Jesus, and then Jesus' response is, one, Jesus was just confident in who he was because he knew that he had been sent by God, that he was he was communicating something of, of God the Father that had previously been just unfathomable. People couldn't wrap their minds around it. And so then what happens is, as Nicodemus approaches him, and in this back-and-forth conversation, you'll see when we get to the end— These last few verses, it doesn't tell us how how he responds, Nicodemus. It just kind of leaves it open-ended. And I think that's the invitation for us to come into it and go, you know what? Jesus is making the Father known. Through through Jesus, we see a character and a nature of who God is that's been the same God from the beginning of time all the way up to that moment, carrying even into our present day today. And and, and so we're supposed to be looking at Jesus and realizing that he is portraying the, the beauty and the mystery and the wonder of who God is. And then the second point with this that I think is really important for us to understand is that in Jesus, in the work of Jesus, he's testifying to the truth, to the truth of who God is and to the truth of how God has set this world in motion.
1: It says in verse 10, it says, Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to the he- gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Jesus' presence alone his presence there on earth of God coming to dwell among man and among woman was testifying to the truth of God's work in the world. However, there's this radically different image of the truth through the person of Jesus Christ. Again, this mystery of God um, that's being revealed through Jesus. And then this message of hope and reconciliation being communicated through Jesus. I think that's why we see um, Paul write uh, powerful words in Romans chapter 5, verses 6-11. through 11. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came. You see, this is the truth. This is the truth that Jesus is coming to testify to. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right and God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, as Nicodemus questions Jesus and he tries to understand Jesus, he's standing in the very presence of God. He can't wrap his mind around the mystery of who God is, the very God that he has spent his lifetime studying and worshiping. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you have to fully trust in me as the way, the truth, and the life. You have to know my father, be born of the spirit. And I think so often, even in the midst of the season that we're in right now as a world, we get caught up in trying to have our own spin. On God's truth rather than resting in the tension of God's truth. I want to say that again because I think that's so important to understand because I think in all of us as humanity there is this need for control. There's this need for control and so we grasp and we we reach for control and in doing that we try to kind of create our own truth. We saw the Pharisees and the religious leaders doing that time and time again in their need for control. They created and spun a truth that wasn't actually in alignment with the prophetic scriptures of who Jesus was coming to be. So we need to rest in the tension of God's truth. That's what Jesus was doing as Nicodemus encountered Christ as so many others In scripture, we see encountered Christ. Jesus was not only making his father known and making himself known, he was not just testifying the truth, but he was also extending an invitation to rest in the mystery and the tension of who Christ was or who he came to be and the purposes that he came to fulfill. And so I kind of wonder, we ask ourselves in this moment, and how we how we apply it and, and make it relevant to where we are today. How is Christ making himself known to us today? What truth is he testifying to in our lives today? And in what is our response to that? Are we willing to rest in the space of tension that he's not revealing everything to us? That there's still uncertainty and there's still complexity and, and possibly even confusion, but we're resting in the promises and we're resting in the truth and the and, and the who, the character of who God is. Or are we going to be like those religious leaders that press and push and fight to be able to just know? I think it's important to consider these things. We're going to move on to number three, and Brad will read from John chapter three. But Jesus is offering, he's coming, again, to make his father known, to testify to the truth, and the number three, offer eternal life.
0: So we've already said that the, this passage of scripture, this interaction with Nicodemus ends without us knowing how Nicodemus responds to Jesus invitation but what he does do and he sets up not just for him in that one moment but for every person who would ever follow and ever read the gospels is this beautiful invitation and i'm sure you're familiar with it it comes from john 3:16 john 3:16 through 18 this is the one that people put on the t-shirts they hold up at sporting events john 3:16 but now when you read it in context you start to get this greater depth of understanding and the power of what Jesus is testifying to but it says again in John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God has sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, this is how it builds. It's not just enough to know God. It's not just enough to know the truth that Jesus is testifying to, but it actually comes to the second place of accepting this relationship with Jesus Christ, this invitation into the eternal life that flows through Jesus Christ. Part of what we talked about last Sunday, that Jesus is the source of life. And so when we read this verse now in context, part of what you're understanding is that Jesus has said, hey, I'm here to be able to to testify to who God is. I'm making God the Father known through me. And so we see this rebirth, this new birth, this new understanding that's coming through Jesus Christ. So just as Jesus was born as a baby and just as Jesus will die and be resurrected again, there's this continual cycle that we see displayed for us of being made new. That's part of the gift of eternal life. In the gospels, we see that word um, life and life to the fullest. And what that is, is the Greek word zoe. It's this idea of a fullness of life that's not just about, you know, living in the day-to-day life, but it's a life that extends even beyond this world into eternity. And so when Jesus talks about, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest, what he's saying is, I have come so that you can experience life now in a new and a different way in relationship with me, but also a life that it, that is so full that it extends beyond into eternity, into this mystery of who God is. And so this is like a now and forevermore type of life. And I don't know about you, but in, in seasons like we're in now where there's there's worry, there's chaos, there's concern, there's now the threat of death for so many, and it feels like those numbers that just continue to increase, we, we need to know that we're drawing the source of our life from that Zoe life, that full life that's found in Jesus Christ, a life that comes from the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we could have a full experience of life and have it through him. And so it really comes to this place as we start to look at this um, understanding and encountering Jesus through the work of Jesus, through the life of Jesus. It's, yes, it, it's a knowing God in a way that we had never previously known in humanity. It's, it's testifying to the truth of who God is. It's receiving this offer of eternal life and realizing that through all of it, it's bringing us back to this place of recognizing that we have to have a God-focused, God-centered dependence. Not on anything else, but it's on God and God alone.
1: We see in the Gospels, as uh, Pastor Brad is talking, that eternal life is metaphorically through the new birth. We see uh, Jesus saying that to Nicodemus, that you have to be born again, not born again in the idea of human uh, humanity being born again or human life, but in this idea of spiritual rebirth, uh, this idea of being birthed into a new family, a new way of being and a new way of believing, a new way of acting, a new way of talking, and a new way of loving. And I think that we're being challenged um, maybe more for some of us more than ever before to consider what it means to walk through crisis and walk through grief and walk through loss and walk through a massive amount of unknown, but walking through it in a new way not in a way that is on our own, not in a way that is in our own power or in our own might or in our own strength or in our own ability to wrap our mind around what the news is saying or what the government is saying or, or what even God is doing in the midst of this, but a new way of believing and a new way of loving. We see this idea um, of, of eternal life, the metaphorical uh, pieces of eternal life being represented in John chapter four and John chapter eight, where he descri- Jesus describes himself as the living, water that will never run dry, that will satisfy uh, every thirst that's within us. The longings that we are sensing and feeling for community, the longings that we are sensing and feeling to know that our finances are stable, the longing that is within us to know that we're going to be safe um, and that we're going to be healthy or that our families are going to be healthy and that we're not going to have to experience the death of a loved one. This longing that's inside of us that says this can't last very long, will it? It won't last very long. There's a longing and longings just regularly being um, pulled up within us but Jesus reminds us that yeah I see that longing and I see that weakness in you but I have come to bring life and to bring a life everlasting and I'm going to provide a living water where you'll never thirst again in John chapter 6 he says he's the bread of life that we will never hunger again, that he is our sustenance, he is our, he, we, are, we have sufficiency in Christ. And then as Pastor Brad said in John 15, we referred to it last week, is that abiding and that remaining. He said, I am the vine, the source of life. And so it has to bring us back to this place of dependence on God, this place where we're willing to be transformed by God. Um, again, it's not just an eternal life for some time beyond this world. It's a life that begins now, for now into eternity. In John chapter five, verse 24, it says, "'I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message "'and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. "'They will never be condemned for their sins, "'but they have already passed from death into life.'" We have no fear because we have life in Christ. And so what we learn from the work of Jesus as we encounter Christ is they, um, that in the ancient scriptures, encountered Christ, where there were some absolutes. <laughs> there were some absolutes, and there were some things that, again, were mystery and tension. But Jesus is revealing in this conversation, and we're gonna wrap this up and, and apply it to where we are now. And Jesus is revealing in this conversation with Nicodemus, and what he's revealing to us, even in our current lives, is that Jesus is still Making himself known, his character, his love, making uh, bringing knowledge of who he is, the power that he instills in us. Number two, he's testifying still now, even to the truth that God is present, Emmanuel, God with us that God is working, that God fulfills his promises, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, testifying to the truth that we have the opportunity for belonging and for relationship with Jesus Christ, that we have this opportunity to be born again, to have a new way of living and being and loving. And then number three, he's bringing eternal life, that Zoe life, life for now, eternal life. He's reminding us right now in the midst of the storm, right now in the midst of the tension and the mist history of the love and the life that he offers if we shall choose to accept it if we shall choose to receive that invitation to belong. So even though the fears and oppressions and worries of the ancient world are different than our world, the soul level needs are still the same. We still have the same hope of resurrection. May we, in the coming weeks, as we move to the end of Lent, this time of lamenting, this time of recognizing um, repentance and the ways that we need to come back to the center of, of Jesus Christ in our lives, as we move to the end of Lent, and we move into Palm Sunday in the in Holy Week, moving through the the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ to Resurrection Sunday. Man, we want to invite you. We want to challenge you to take time throughout the next couple of weeks. We have time. We have time, unless we choose not to have time. So, can we take extra time to give space to what um, how Jesus is making Himself to know? known to us how he's testifying to the truth of who he is and how he's bringing eternal life and the realization is that for us to do that for us to truly be able to just be in this space is we have to stand in the grief of our world right now without trying to assign blame without trying to assign purpose we have to allow ourselves similar to the lint space that we're in right now to contemplate the sorrow of needing rescue and needing Messiah and Savior. It's really not comfortable to be able to do that. There's so much a part of us where we we look at Scripture and says, well, he's invited us to exchange mourning for joy, and we do exchange mourning for joy in a moment. There's many times that we're able to exchange mourning for joy, but sometimes he invites us, asks us, to hold both joy and mourning at the same time, simultaneously. And I I really, truly believe this is a season that we're in and he's inviting us to do that. To trust in the Father is to rest in the moment and to be in that mystery and and to know victory is coming. There's full revelation coming, but Jesus was holding them in a place of uncertainty.
0: So, as we've talked through this, one of the things we want to remind you of is that we've just come out of a sermon series, where we're, and, and we've talked about this quite a bit at Essence Place, how there are tools that God has given us to work through grief, to work through loss, to um, trust him in the midst of the unknown and the confusion. And so part of the question I feel like God is asking us, and, and Pastor Kristen and I have been praying through this for you as our church, is uh, to be able to use the tools that God has given us, but to not feel like we have to rush so quickly into doing something that we rush over the fact that God wants us to just be present in the difficulty, to even be present in some of the sorrow and the grief that's already begun to take place, and to be in a place of saying, God, I will trust you even in the unknown. I think that's one of the gifts of encountering Jesus is the fact that as we, we, we realize that, that there's this revelation of God in Jesus, it, it puts us in a place of knowing that we can, we can trust Jesus. We can trust in the work of Jesus. We can trust in the revelation of Jesus. We can trust in the death of Jesus, and we can trust in the resurrection of Jesus. And so there's an order, though, to how all of that unfolds. I know when we open our Bible, we can read really quickly, um, especially some of the shorter gospels like the Gospel of Mark. You can sit down and quickly rush through the life of Jesus. But if you think about it, the life of Jesus unfolded over years and decades. And even the part of his active ministry years was the last three years of his life before the cross. And so... There's part of it for us in this season where we have to slow down and trust, okay, God, I am going to rest, rest in you. I'm going to rest in trusting that, that you have been sent by God. Just like Nicodemus said, you've been sent by God. And, and then try to understand, Jesus, what are you speaking to me now? What are you saying right now? And will I slow down and will I listen to what you have to say?
1: There are these moments that we see um, from the religious leaders and the Pharisees where they pushed Jesus so hard and he wouldn't give them what they were looking for to where they actually begin to attack and then begin to proclaim their own purposes of why Jesus had came or who Jesus was. And so I think the invitation to us is may we not be like those religious leaders where we're rushing to make sense of God's purposes, where we're just willing to rest in the sovereignty of God where we're willing to just be in this place where we come in and we lean in and we abide with Christ and we say and we ask God, how are you coming to us? How are you coming to me? What are you saying? What are you speaking? What are you doing? I think I, I kind of identify with Nicodemus. I appreciate the fact that at the end of that story, Nicodemus is not then turning to attack Jesus because Jesus didn't give him answers he understood or that Nicodemus didn't all of a sudden just say, well, I'm gonna go and choose what I, I believe about what you're saying, but it doesn't really give us an ending. And I just find myself, even this last these last couple of weeks of being in that place of Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I trust. Jesus, I know who you are in the truth that you revealed. And I believe in the life, the life now, I'm experiencing that abundant life. And I don't know, I know I'll experience that eternally, but man, what are you doing in the midst of this? How are you coming? What are you saying? And so I think part of seeing the coming and revealing of Christ is being willing to actually acknowledge the need, the questions and the mystery. And that is what happens in these places of grief. It's not um, uh, this idea of, um, Dr. Henry Cloud said it in a webinar I was in the other day, this idea of um, we need to, it's not a pie in the sky attitude and it's not a gloom and despair attitude either it's neither one it's this middle ground where we're acknowledging and naming what this is this is grief this is sorrow this is difficult this is complex we can't wrap our minds around it we also realize, in the same time, just like Paul said, we're sorrowful yet we're rejoicing. It is possible through life in Christ to have both simultaneously in the hand, but we have to give space to it. So, as we kind of wrap up here, are a couple of things that we want you to be thinking about, especially as we move into the next couple of weeks and moving into um, these spaces, as we kind of in Lent over the la- over the next week, I'm realizing that Lent does give us this place to recenter. So, we invite you to recenter. We invite you to take time and space and just allow yourself to be um, in the midst of this grief while also remembering the goodness of who God is, being in the midst of the sorrow, yet also rejoicing. Um, so we you know, we graciously and we humbly make a choice to just hold space for Jesus to do his work. That's what we're doing here. That's what, what Brad and I and, and with our family, our kids, we're trying to do. That's what we're inviting our Essence Place community to do. And whoever else is listening to this, um, you know, We want the work of Christ on the cross, his death and resurrection to teach us us something in this um, this season that we're in. And I think that we can do that. Uh, We can learn even more in recognizing the hope that he brings, even in the midst of grief and even in the midst of sorrow.
0: So, you heard Pastor Kristen mention the season of Lent. It's the season forty days prior to Easter, and it's this time of, of preparation for um, Easter and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and the, the the wonderful joy that comes along with it. But in this season of preparation, one of the things that we do is is there is an embracing of the grief and sorrow, and and one aspect of that is understanding that in our own in our own humanity, in our own frailty, in our in our own brokenness. There are ways that, that we have we have sinned, ways that we've strayed away from who God is and what God desires for us. There are ways that we've dishonored God in our lives. There's ways that we realize that we don't live um, fully honoring Jesus in, in all that we are. And yet we see, that, and this is exactly what Jesus is talking about with Nicodemus, is there is this invitation— into eternal life in and in a life that's lived fully when we come to a place of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord over all in our lives. And so one of the things we want to extend to you today is an opportunity for you to come to that place of putting your full trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe. Maybe you've never done that before, and maybe you you have. It's been a long time. Maybe you've been in a season where you feel like you've just kind of been wandering in the desert, and, and you're coming to a place, especially with the crisis that we're experiencing, of realizing that you need something more than just your own best efforts, than just your own trying and striving, and you're in a place of saying, Jesus, I want that full life that you have to flow through me. The great thing about the way God works is that that is available to us today. And so we can come to a place of recognizing that in the work of Jesus, there's the invitation to know God the Father fully to live in a place of testifying to the truth of who God is and living an eternal life. And so I want to pray for us now, and I want to invite you, um, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a very long time, been following Jesus for a very long time, or maybe in watching this today, you're at a place of realizing, you know, I've never really come to a place of putting my full trust and faith in Jesus. And, And in this prayer, it's a prayer for all of us, Pastor Kristen, myself included, to express our dependency on God again. And I truly believe that as we pray now, there's that saving work that God does. It's not just a a salvation from our sins alone, but it's the saving work that Jesus does in us daily of renewing us through that Zoe life, that full life, a life that brings joy in the midst of sorrow, that brings peace in the midst of chaos. And so I want to invite you now, regardless of where you're sitting, whether you're by yourself or you have other people in the room, to just close your eyes now and number one, recognize the presence of God that is with you the power of the Holy Spirit that is present with you now. Whether you're sensitive to it and you're aware of it because you live in a full relationship with Jesus or maybe you, you've you never really come to a place of slowing down enough and inviting Jesus to speak to your heart, to speak to your life. And I believe now by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus can bring you a peace that passes understanding. And so I want to pray for us now and, and you're certainly welcome to use the words that I'm praying as your own prayer as we look to God now and invite that full life, that eternal life of Jesus into our hearts once again, into our spirits and our souls. Jesus, as we stop now, this morning, and we recognize that you've been speaking to us just like you were speaking to Nicodemus, and, and by the Holy Spirit, you've been speaking words of life and truth, even if we can't comprehend and understand all of them, we realize, Jesus, that you are speaking words of life and hope to us. Jesus, I pray today that you allow us to see you as Savior. We're so thankful, Jesus, that yes, you are fully human, but you are also fully God. And through your death, through your resurrection, You brought us hope of eternity, uh, a a saving eternity that is not just for some place beyond this life when we die and breathe our last breath, but a saving eternity, a full life that we can experience here and now. And so today, Jesus, I confess that I need you. I ask you, Jesus, to restore my life. Begin the work of transforming me. Make me look more like you day after day as I trust in you. Jesus, I put my hope and my faith in you and you alone. I pray, Jesus, that you would begin to reveal yourself to me just like you were to Nicodemus and so many others that we read about in the Gospels of of giving us glimpses of God, the Father and the fullness of God. Lord, would you work and speak to me today, I pray. And God, as you, are, as you are restoring us, I pray, God, that you remind us of who we are in you. That when we, when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you, when we place our lives in your hands, you call us sons and daughters. It's a reminder that we have a belonging in you, that we are at home with you. And so Christ Jesus, that's our, our hope today. It's not in a, in a quick end to a, a pandemic health crisis. Our hope is not in um, being quarantined long enough to know that you know everyone's gonna be okay. Our hope isn't in um, just being able to survive another day or, or trying our hardest, but God, our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And we're so thankful, God, that even in the midst of the dark, in the midst of the confusing, in the places where it feels like all hope is lost, Jesus, your spirit is there. And so we invite you to do that work that's talked about over and over again in the gospels of bringing light into darkness. I pray, Jesus, that you would flood every home with the light of Jesus Christ right now, that there would just be this overwhelming sense of the peace of God filling each home. God, would you remind us at the depths of our souls that we are yours and our trust is in you alone. We pray all of this in faith, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to read one psalm as a a blessing over us before we go. Um, I love Psalm 103. The psalmist shows us this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the heights, as the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom, we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant and those who obey his commandments.